Maybe you felt chills or goosebumps. Perhaps it's an overwhelmed feeling of something bigger than you or more complex. Whatever the feeling, God put the response in your soul as a reminder of His presence, power, and glory. It's called awe, and He wants to remind us of it every day in many ways. Join us as we discover how God has used His awe to inspire others to follow Him deeper in their lives. So today on In Awe by Bruce, we have Todd Nettleton. He's the Chief of Media Relations and Message Integration for The Voice of the Martyrs. The Voice of the Martyrs was founded by the Jewish Christian couple Richard and Sabina Wormbrand. And our discussion today is around the release of VOM's Voice of the Martyrs, a new movie, Sabina, during the Nazi buildup and occupation of their home country of Romania from about 1938 to 1944. It's a prequel to the Voice of the Martyrs movie, Tortured for Christ, about Richard's 14 years of imprisonment and torture during the Soviet control times after that. The fact that they survived and started VOM should tell us something. But seeing the choices they made to get there, boy, I tell you, for me, it demonstrates the greatest faith in Jesus. I mean, the love and grace of God that they show, in spite of the consequences they're facing, is incredible. And when you see them do it and realize that they kept going on and God used them so mightily to make it through all this, well, you see everything at the highest level possible of a Christian's life, and you see that in Sabina's story, too. It's being released in theaters November 8th through the 10th, right after the International Day of Prayer for Persecuted Christians on the 7th. I don't want to give too much away, so I'm going to leave all that to Todd, what he wants to tease us with and tell us about. But Todd, welcome to In Awe by Bruce. Thank you so much. It's good to be with you. Todd, off the bat, tell us just the accolades that you've already received for this movie. Well, it has been very well received. Uh, in fact, it was named Best Picture at the Christian Worldview Film Festival. Uh, it also won Best Actress and Best Supporting Actor at a Canadian Christian Film Festival. Uh, so it, it is already receiving awards, which is great. But as you say, the thing we're really looking for is to impact people's hearts uh, with the story of Richard and Sabina. And really, it's a story of God's ability to transform someone so completely that they're able to forgive, they're able to even love their enemies. And that's really what comes through in this film is, is Sabina's ability to love even her enemies. That is so true. It's as powerful as you could get. Tell us why now you're doing the prequel after having done the original on Richard. What was the motivation for that? You know, we, we made Tortured for Christ, the movie, several years ago. It, it was kind of a part of our 50th anniversary celebration. Voice of the Martyrs turned 50 years old in 2017. And so it was kind of a situation of, hey, in honor of this milestone, let's go back and let's retell the story of our founders, Richard and Sabina. And as you mentioned, specifically the time that they served in prison under the communists, the time uh, that really the foundations of the Voice of the Martyrs were built in their lives and in their ministry. But as you watch that film, 
it's kind of, it left some questions about, you know, how do you get to that point? <laughs> how do you mm -hmm. get to the point where you go to prison for 14 years and you still have faith in Christ and you love your persecutors? What happens in a person's life to make that a reality? Uh, and the director of the film, John Groders, was like, there's more to this story. There's more to this story we got to tell. And so that's how sort of this new film was, was kind of the birth of it was, we need to show how Richard and Sabina, and, and the great thing about this film, because if you watch Tortured for Christ, uh, you know, it opens with Richard in prison being beaten and still showing love to the man who's beating him. Just for a lot of people, that is just such a mind-blowing thing that it's almost like I could never get there. Yeah. You know, I, I could never get to that point. When you see Sabina, it's, it starts where they started. It starts with them as... Uh, really secular Jewish people, but not even really, they had become atheists that they didn't believe in God. They were pursuing a life of pleasure. They were pursuing a life of, you know, whatever the world had to offer. And God brought them from that point to that point of being able to love their persecutors and forgive their persecutors and suffer without losing their faith. So I think in a lot of ways, this movie is more approachable. It is more relatable, especially mm -hmm. in the early stages. And so hopefully by having both films, we now kind of get the full scope of their story. And, and it makes people feel like, well, if God could turn Richard and Sabina, two lost hedonists, into yeah. people who would suffer for Christ, what can God do in my life? And so that's one of the things we're really excited about this new film. As you say, a prequel, but it really starts at the beginning of their story. As I watched it, you think about what Christ says about that the Holy Spirit will give you what to say in the moment as we're trusting him. And that can a lot of times can be a very kind of mystical kind of thing. And yet here you have their examples, as you're talking about, of this growth in their life where you see them really coming out with that different kind of life, the new creation life that God puts in us when we become Christians and saying things and doing things that you would go, no, no, don't do that. Do it this way. I mean, I kind of felt like Peter, you know, <laughs> telling Jesus, oh, no, no, you can't do this. No, not right now. You know, and him looking at me going, get behind me, Satan. Just trust me. As you say, the show, the film shows just such an amazing transformation. And when you understand some of the context of it, you know, Sabina, born into a Jewish family, her family was actually martyred, was murdered in the concentration camps of the Nazis. And yet the film shows her helping and hiding Nazi soldiers after the Nazis had been kicked out by the communists. The communists were hunting down the last remaining Nazis left in Romania. And here is Sabina Wormbrand helping them hide. And it's like, how do you help the people who killed your whole family? <laughs> yeah. That doesn't even, that doesn't even make sense. Why would you do that? Because yep. God has so radically transformed my life, he has so radically transformed my heart that I even love the people that killed my family. Uh, mm -hmm. I can even show his love to them. Uh, that's that's the story that is told in this film. And as you say, you know, as you sit and watch it, it is sometimes almost overwhelming as you think, you know, how, how do you do that? How, how do you do that? So Todd, how do you think that speaks to us today in the situation we're in, in the United States? 
you know, I think there is a lot of room for forgiveness <laughs> in our <laughs> in our culture, uh, mm-hmm. in our lives. There's a lot of room for us to show love uh, to people who we might think of as our enemies or people who might disagree with us. Uh, the other thing, uh, you know, I think as you look around the culture, things of faith, things of biblical values are becoming less appreciated in the culture. Let me put it that way. Okay. As that happens, we as Christians, we need to learn how to be counterculture. We need to learn what it looks like to love the people who are against us, to forgive the people who persecute us. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I think this is a very relevant story today. I think in one year and five years, it's actually going to grow more relevant. It's going to grow more timely as time goes on, because I think, uh, you know, what we're seeing in America is it's it's not popular to be a Christian. It's not popular to share your faith. It's not mm-hmm. popular to stand up for biblical values. Uh, and so there are lessons we can learn from the worm brands about living in that kind of environment. Definitely. Tell me more about any kind of studies or workbooks or follow-up things that people can do if they go see the movie or when they go see the movie November 8th through the the 10th. Uh, Is there any follow-up? Well, let me start before the movie. Uh, Mm -hmm. The International Day of Prayer for Persecuted Christians coming up on November the 7th. So the the timing of the release of the movie in more than 800 theaters around the country is is very specific. It's very intentional that it comes right after the International Day of Prayer for Persecuted Christians. We know churches all over the country are going to be praying for our persecuted brothers and sisters. And so coming out of that, we hope many of them will say, hey, Let's go see this film. Let's learn more about what it looks like to be persecuted, what it looks like to forgive our persecutors. Uh, But then, as you mentioned, we actually are working on a small group curriculum. Now, it won't be out by the time the movie's in theaters in November. It will come out uh, sometime next year. Mm -hmm. But uh, I was in Romania in July. We, We shot some of the sets, some of the scenes for that small group curriculum. And and we're going to dive into Sabina's story and look at, okay, what is God doing in her life? Maybe I need him to do some of that stuff in my life too. What did he teach her? How did he bring her to the point of being able to forgive? And one of the really exciting things that we are working on with this curriculum is that we are actually interviewing and we'll have on screen some modern day Sabinas, some modern day persecuted Christian women who have gone through persecution. In some cases, their husbands have been martyred. In some cases, they have been imprisoned because of their faith. Uh, And so we will be able in the, in the curriculum to make that connection that, Hey, this, you know, this isn't just one lady 50 years ago, this is still going on. There are still amazing godly women of faith who are standing up under persecution today, and we're going to be able to meet some of them through that uh, small group curriculum, which, like I say, that will come out next year. So it won't be available when the movie is in theaters in November, but it's coming. It's on the horizon. So Todd, tell us more than take us from Sabina and Richard's life after their persecution and the development of the voice of the martyrs and the effect that it's had. More about that, I think, would be helpful for people to hear. Well, Richard and Sabina, when they left Romania, so they Richard spent 14 years in prison under the communists in Romania. Sabina spent three years in prison uh, under the communists in Romania. When they left the country, 
they were actually ransomed out. Christians in the West uh, sort of paid a bounty, basically, to the communist government to get them out of the country. Uh, the going rate for what they called a political prisoner at that time was something like $1,500. The price for Richard was $10,000. So he was seen as a high-value prisoner, but Christians paid that ransom got them out of Romania, got them to the West. And before they left, the secret police took Richard aside and said, hey, uh, you're going to the West. Uh, you can preach about God all you want. You can talk about the Bible all you want, but don't talk about the prisons. Don't talk about the torture. Don't talk about what we did to you because mm -hmm. of your faith. Uh, Richard came to the West and, and did exactly what they told him not to do. He began to share about the three years in solitary confinement. He began to share about the torture that he had undergone. And more important than just sharing his own story, he said, listen, there are still pastors in those prisons. Yeah. There are still Christians being tortured behind the Iron Curtain. And Christians like you and me, we hear that and we say, well, you know, we want to do something about that. How do we help them? Yeah. That's really how the Voice of the Martyrs was founded. It was founded to be the answer to that question. Hey, how do we help them? That's why the Voice of the Martyrs came into being. And uh, we are now 54 years in, in the process of serving persecuted Christians today. We are serving Christians in more than 70 nations around the world, helping wow. with what we call persecution response, you know, helping uh, if a, a pastor is in prison, maybe helping his family to pay their rent and to make sure their kids can pay their school fees. Uh, if a church is destroyed, maybe helping to provide them with a place where they can continue to meet. So persecution response. And then the second area of our help overseas is Bibles. We deliver more than a million Bibles a year into the most hostile, the most hard places around the world to deliver Bibles. And then the third area is what we call frontline ministry or frontline workers. These are gospel workers in hostile and restricted nations, uh, maybe have been persecuted in the past, maybe will be persecuted in the future, uh, but we provide them with tools and training and encouragement to help further their ministry of reaching the lost in places where Christians are persecuted for their faith. So that's what the ministry looks like today, but it was really birthed uh, by Richard and Sabina in the midst of persecution in Romania more than 50 years ago. Wow. Are you allowed to say some of the places that you're working in that are the the kind of the toughest things or anything particularly we should be praying for? Uh, I, I I can say the places. I can't necessarily say what we're doing <laughs> yes, for, no, uh, for okay. obvious I, reasons. Uh, yes. But I, you know, I think when you talk about the most difficult places, uh, North Korea immediately comes to my mind. Uh, yes. North Korea, I I often say, is a prison camp disguised as a country. Uh, sure. Everybody there is is oppressed. Everybody there is persecuted. But Christians, followers of Jesus Christ, are singled out for the worst of the persecution. So I would think of North Korea. I would think of China. Uh, in mm -hmm. the last five years, there has been a significant increase in persecution in China. Uh, it is coming from the national government. It is coming from President Xi Jinping himself. Uh, mm -hmm. So China, uh, if we move over to the Middle East, I think immediately of Iran. Iran has the fastest growing church in the world, yes. uh, but it is also a heavily persecuted church. And in fact, uh, the new president of Iran, who just took office in August, 
uh, was formerly the head of the judiciary. He helped rewrite the laws about punishing Christians and punishing apostates. Uh, so even in the weeks since he's taken office, we have seen more arrests in Iran. We have seen more persecution there. Uh, the other country that I think of, and it's on a lot of people's hearts right now, is Afghanistan. And right. yes, many Christians fled Afghanistan ahead of the Taliban, uh, but many more chose to stay there. And they said, listen, this is where God has placed us. We're going to serve him here no matter who's in charge of the government. So they have boldly made that decision to stand and to continue ministering there. Um, wow. So those are four countries that come immediately to mind. Two others I would mention uh, in Africa. One is Nigeria, northern Nigeria in particular, mm -hmm. a place of intense persecution from Boko Haram, from militant Muslims from within the Fulani tribe. And the other, Eritrea. Uh, I had the chance to go to Eritrea almost 20 years ago now and uh, visit with pastors, visit with Christians there. Uh, some of the people that I met on that trip have now yeah. been in prison more than 17 years oh. uh, because of their faith, because of their ministry. Uh, in Eritrea right now, somewhere around 200 Christians are in prison for their faith. Not a single one of them has had a trial. Not a single one of them has even been formally charged with a crime. Uh, they just get arrested and they kind of disappear into the prison system for weeks or months, or in some cases, as I said, up to 17 years. Wow. Okay. Well, those are good things to keep on our mind and pray about. Uh, John, anything else uh, before we go that, that you'd like to add or say that would be helpful for people listening, certainly either the movie or Voice of the Martyrs? Let me share a picture of a persecuted Christian because I don't I don't want to give the impression that all of these believers are are somehow depressed and, and downtrodden, and discouraged people because of yeah. the persecution they face. Uh, several years ago, and I, I share this story in my book, When Faith Is Forbidden. Uh, I met a lady in China named Sister Tong, and Sister Tong had just been released after serving six months in a Chinese prison. Uh, her crime was that she was the host of a house church meeting. So the, the house church met at her home uh -huh. and the police raided the meeting. They kicked everybody out. But since it was her house, she got arrested and went to prison for six months. And, and so I sat down with her just a few weeks after she had been released. And uh, I said, you know, Sister Tong, tell me about the prison. And I, I know I'm going to come back to America. I'm going to do podcast interviews like this one. I'm going to tell Sister Tong's story. So, you know, let's get the setting right. Tell me about the prison. And I'm thinking, you know, tell me how hard the bed was. Tell me how big the rats were. Tell me how terrible the food was. Let's just kind of paint a picture of how terrible a Chinese prison is. My translator translated the question and Sister Tong got what I can only call a heavenly smile on her face. And she said something in Chinese and my translator said, oh, yes, that was a wonderful time. <laughs> and, and I looked at the translator and because I, I thought there's no way that he understood my question because, yeah. you know, I asked about prison. No one would ever say prison was a wonderful time. And I said, are you sh are you sure you understood what I. Yes, yes, I'm sure. Now, are you sure she understood? Yes, she understood. And what <laughs> Sister Tong went on to say is that while she was in prison during that six months, Jesus was just so close to her. He was oh. right there with her in that cell in such a, a personal way yeah. that she got to experience his presence in, in just such an amazing way. And she said, you know what else? There, there were some ladies with me in that cell. And when I got there, they didn't know Jesus. 
and I got to be the one to introduce them. And they're now following Jesus because I was in the same cell with them. And, and so her attitude was, Jesus was with me in a, in a really personal, special way. And Jesus yeah. gave me a ministry to do. Why wouldn't that be a wonderful time? Yeah. And, oh and so that's the spirit that, that I hope our listeners catch a hold of is when we go and visit persecuted Christians, they don't have like a big frown on their face and want to yeah. wail about how terrible their lives are. They smile and say, look what God is doing. Look at how he's growing the church. Look at how close and, and how personal he was with me, how he ministered to me in that hard time. So don't have the picture of persecuted Christians as these depressed and downtrodden people. Uh, think of Sister Tong, who described six months in a Chinese prison as a wonderful time because God was with her and God gave her work to do in that situation. Wow, that is fabulous. I thank you for that contrast because I know that's the thought that we have in our head. <laughs> it's easy to picture one thing, and, and I think part of that is our own experience. Like, we think if we were in prison, we'd be depressed and downtrodden. Yeah, yeah. But it is just not the reality for, for many of our persecuted brothers and sisters. Oh, wow. You know, it's like Paul. He's set there in Rome or whatever, and it's a great uh, mission field for him. <laughs> exactly. Uh, be because of my chains, he said, the whole palace guard has heard the gospel. Yeah. Uh, and that, that attitude is reflected today around the world as well. Praise God. That's, that's fabulous. Well, Todd, thank you for taking the time and praying for the best success for Sabina and the, and the fact that it's something that we all can benefit from. Good to hear, good to see how somebody has lived out their life for Christ and, uh, you know, for the impact on people that maybe don't know Christ that will go see it. Um, thank you for everything, and we, we appreciate your time today. You are so welcome. Thank you for having me. All right. We will catch up with you later. All right. I look forward to that. Have a good day. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.